welcome to It's Your Money, the Mayor Brown Sword podcast, where we try to explain the world of money and investment in terms that even I can understand. My name's Andrew Harrison, and usually it's just me and Andy Mayer, isn't it, Andy Mayer? Yeah, but this week we thought we'd have a surprise. I think people must be getting bored of listening to me. We get great feedback about you, but not me, so I thought we'd bring a guest on. We're enriching the scene, we're levelling up. Before we get on to that, how are you? Have you got over Scotland being out of the Euros and England still being in? My son was devastated because Kieran Tierney is his favourite player. So when Tierney went out, it was heartbroken. But bizarrely, he ended up at the England-Germany uh, game on Tuesday, oh. one of his mates. And he said the atmosphere was nearly as good as Celtic. So I assume it was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Now, we do have a special guest today because we're going to be discussing ESG, or Environmental, Social and Governance Investments, what it is, what you need to know, and all that kind of thing. Our guest is Dan Kemp, Chief Investment Officer of the investment group Morningstar for the Europe, Middle East and Africa region. On Twitter, he is, quotes, a coffee-fueled father of three and a quant geek. And he tweets us at Dan underscore the underscore analyst, which sounds like an amazing hip-hop name. Hello, Dan. How are you? Hello, gentlemen. I'm extremely well, thank you. and delighted to be with you today. We're delighted to have you here. Now, what is Morningstar and how did you get to be where you are? Crumbs, that is a great and quite long story. Uh, I'll try and condense it as much Mm. as I can. So uh, Morningstar was established by a gentleman called Joe Mansueto in Chicago in the early 80s. And Joe's insight as a, a stock and equity analyst, a share analyst at the time, was that he could get great information on individual companies, but he couldn't get any information on funds that people were increasingly investing through. And so he set up the Morningstar business to gather data and distribute data and research uh, to people that wanted to invest in funds. And so we've grown from there into a business now that spans the globe and is a huge provider of not just fund data, but all sorts of financial data, including sustainability data, so how sustainable companies are with a a business we bought last year called Sustainalytics, a private equity data uh, and credit ratings. And part of that global business is a large investment management business. And that's what I'm part of. So I'm part of specifically Morningstar Investment Management in Europe. Uh, And so we look after uh, investors' money, uh, working with financial advisors like Andy. Uh, We look after people's money, whether they want to just take a traditional approach to investment or an ESG approach. And so we we look after thousands of investors across uh, across the region and many more than that across the world. Okay, well, let, let's get into that. This, the ESG thing. You know, what exactly is it? Can you un- unpick for us the ethical, the social and the governance aspects of it? Yes, of course. I think the challenge with ESG is it's such an, an omnibus term. It covers so many different things. And even the acronym is, is slightly challenging. So the, the E stands for environmental. And so that's the part of investing where People are trying to either limit the damage to the planet that comes from commercial activities or actually improve the the sustainability of the the planet. And so that you'd typically see investors wanting to maybe avoid energy companies or invest in wind farms, that, that type of thing. And then you have the the social element. So this is the impact of companies on society. So we're all familiar with the stories about uh, our garments being sourced in parts of the world where employment conditions are are not as good as they are here, or it might be uh, that companies aren't uh, engaging with their local community in the way that we'd want them to. And so 
that's trying to improve a portfolio so that we're having a less negative effect or even a positive effect on the society around us. And then finally, and probably the most difficult term is governance. And so this is really how a business runs itself, uh, how it makes sure that it's doing the right thing, not just for its shareholders, uh, but also for the other stakeholders in that business. So uh, its employees, its, its customers and, uh, and and everyone else that it interacts with. And so an example of that might be uh, a, a company that whose sales practices are, are not what we'd want them to be and, and who sort of break local rules. And, and that's the sort of thing that may not be detrimental in the near term to a, a shareholder, but might be detrimental if that business's reputation is damaged or if they get into uh, uh, litigation or difficulties with, with uh, local governments that they're working with. So the, the governance aspect is probably the less well-known of the three, uh, but it's, it's, te- it's also the most established uh, because people have been thinking, investors have been thinking about governance for a very long time, but we lump them all together uh, and we use this term ESG, but it's really just a way of expressing as an investor that you want more than just a financial return from your investments. Andy, how is it? How important is this to, to to your business? To the advice that you're giving and the stuff that you're looking at? It's huge because we're finding more and more people now want to talk about it, and everyone just thinks I think it's the eighteen to thirty year old sectors. It's across generations. We're finding fifty, sixty, seventy year olds. If it's not necessarily for them, it might be for their children, their grandchildren, but it's going to be an integral part of investments. I think for forever. I think the way. People are investing money and people are now sort of, I think the days of greed is good has gone. And I think people are genuinely concerned that if the fund manager is doing the right things and paying the right wages to his staff, the reality is there's probably going to be a better outcome for everybody. But there's also, I suppose, the the fact that we are in the middle of a major change, particularly on climate, both in the way that, uh, you know, governments are are behaving and in the way that private companies are behaving because of incentives and so forth. When you're a layperson like me, you get the impression that there are, that this stuff is actually big business now and there are returns to be made out of it as well. It is a, it is a worthwhile investment direction. I mean, Dan, for you, what, 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 what are the kind of standout sectors or the standout areas that have, have kind of been the success stories within ESG? Well, Andrew, you're absolutely right. It is the uh, issue of climate change that I think has really grasped uh, people's imaginations and uh, driven them to invest more in this area and think more about this area. Because if we go back uh, that, that sort of 25 years to the 90s, you, you could avoid tobacco stocks, you could avoid drinks companies, but it, it all felt a bit gloomy in reality and, and all about getting rid of some of the some of the funner things that people had in their, in their life. Whereas <laughs> it's, it's really changed now and, and people are seeing, uh, are, are seeing ESG as a way of not just uh, uh, delivering high returns on the investment, but also a way of making improvements in these areas which are so important to, to our future and, and those of our children and beyond. So climate change, I think, is the, is the biggest area we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of specialist products focused on climate change. But uh, even in the more traditional Industries were seeing ESG have an impact. There was a very big news story a little while ago about the US company Exxon having to, to change what they're doing and, and uh, change some of their board uh, because of quite a, a small 
hedge fund called Engine Number One, uh, which nevertheless had gathered a lot of other investors around them and pushed for change in what is a very traditional energy company. And so we're we're seeing this change, but it's it's uh, it's in, environmental um, in its drive at the moment. But it seems to me that people are, are becoming increasingly concerned about society as well, particularly uh, as we move through the, the pandemic and people have seen the impact of the pandemic and the fact that there's been a great dispersion in the impact of that pandemic. People are starting to care more about the impact that their uh, capital, their savings has on society around them as well as on the climate. So as, as you know, fund managers, you know, how are you rebalancing or balancing or, or, or setting up funds in order to, to take account of the fact that it, ESG is not just uh, a, a kind of an ethical response to what's happening in the economy, but it's also a response to, you know, this is the way the economy is going. There will be more, there's going to have to be more investment in uh, climate proofing. There's going to have to be more investment in in uh, reducing carbon and stuff like that. How are you changing what you're doing? So, Andrew, I, I have a really controversial view here that I think ESG will disappear in the next mm. 10 years. And uh, and that sounds really odd, given what I've just said. But I think the reason it will disappear as a term is because it will be completely embedded in what we do as investors. So at the moment, mm. it's seen as something that's separate. So you do a com- you you run conventional portfolios or you run ESG portfolios as as we do. But uh, as we move forward, I think people will see uh, taking the the risk of ESG into account when making investment decisions. It's just a normal part of the everyday investment process. And, and that's what we're doing doing here. So when it comes to the, the risk element of ESG, i.e., does a does an energy company have risk because of its its products as a, a socially irresponsible business have risks because of the way it behaves, then we're just going to take that into account in the way that we invest all clients' money because it's a financial risk. Whereas mm. I think there'll still be a separation for people who want to really express more fundamental values through their portfolio. So people who do want to continue to avoid tobacco stocks or um, or, or drinks manufacturers or, or a- anything else that uh, is misaligned with their values, I think that will still be a very dedicated, probably quite a um, a small part of the market. But in terms of uh, taking into account these broader climate change risks, society risks, governance risks. I think that will just be part of, of everybody's everyday investment practice. And, and that's increasingly what, what as say, we're doing across all of our portfolios because, as you say, ESG risk is real financial risk and you have to take it into account. Andy, I think you, you raised the fact that a large part of the people who, have, who are very interested in ESG has been kind of influenced by the growth in in media talking about it, in maybe in celebrity influence from managers. How significant is that? Are we are we sort of seeing people following the investment decisions of uh, you know not even star investors but you know celebrities? I think they've really influenced the way people are thinking about the planet, the world, and their investments. That. There used to be this misconception, well, if you had a green fund or an ethical fund, and now even recently the ESG funds, well, you were swapping your ethics for performance. Well, those days have gone. And I think mm. it's a lot easier for celebrities and social media influencers to get behind something that is actually performing as well as any investment. And I totally agree with Dan. I think in 10 years, ESG will probably just be a fundamental part of every investment portfolio because 
I think the way the world is changing, and I think there's so much pressure now on fund managers to do the right things, that it will become mainstream. Mm. And I totally agree with Dan, whether it's 10 years or 20, but I think this will become a mainstream just to how funds are run. But I think the celebrities are now seeing that they can influence people, but you're not saying to someone, yeah, here's a crap investment, but it'll plant some trees and make the environment better. People are going, this works. And there'll be times when ESG portfolios will outperform mainstream ones, and there'll be times when they'll underperform them through market conditions, but that's like any investment. So it's a really great area to be involved in. Well, I wanted to ask you, you know, what sort of, I'll ask both of you really, what, what sort of areas should, uh, you know, the, the investor in the street, like me, well, you know, what, what, what areas within this should, should we be looking at? Because obviously if, when you're talking about 30% of the gross uh, investments in funds being in the ESG sector, there must be sectors within the sectors, if you see what I mean. How should we be approaching this? There certainly is sectors within sectors, and I would argue sectors within sectors within sectors. Uh, it's getting a very uh, diverse world. And, and so without question, my suggestion to investors who are interested in this is the same as my suggestion to all investors who are thinking about investment for the, for the first time or uh, having reviewed their investments after a while. Go and see an independent financial advisor. Go and see someone like Andy, uh, and he mm. will give you great advice on how you can find investments that are aligned to your particular concerns. Because the challenge is, of course, that uh, one investor is not going to have the same concerns and values as another investor. And so uh, the, the issues that are relevant to them and the right portfolio for them is going to be different. So this, uh, this complex of different funds and issues and ways of investing uh, is, is now uh, at a point where you really do need high quality advice when you look at the you know the the uh environmental stroke social and the governance they can actually be quite different can't they i mean you're looking with with governance often sort of quite activist investors trying to move the direction of companies not always for environmental good often for because you know they're the democratizing of ownership and stuff like that obviously you're, you're you're a fund manager your your job is to is to you know run the rule across these companies do you see a kind of you know, pe- people can be suspicious of new developments in, in in investment, and and often when it comes with this with with the tag of this this is ethical or environmental, are, are you able to sort of you know rule out the ones that look dodgy? <laughs> yes, absolutely. We even have a term for it. It's so widespread. It's called greenwashing. Uh, this mm. idea that uh, companies are trying to make themselves. Uh, more ESG friendly at the at the surface level, uh, while uh, while not really living up to their commitments uh, at a at a deeper, more fundamental level. So, uh, not only do we have greenwashing at the company level, but also there are funds out there which have pretty weak uh, ESG criteria, but are, are labelling themselves as ESG. And even if you have high quality. ESG solutions. There's still a great variety in, in what it is that they exclude or they or they care about, and and so this is one of the great challenges. And if I could leave one message with everyone listening to this, it is that not all ESG products are the same. Uh, just because something has an ESG badge on it, that's not a mark of quality. That's not a mark of consistency. Uh, it's uh, typically a marketing uh, brand. And so in the same way that uh, you'd be skeptical about any other form of marketing or advertising, be skeptical about uh, anything that's branded with ESG and uh, get some good data, uh, get some good information, do some research, or as I said, 
talk to someone like Andy. Andy, I wanted to ask you about uh, the pandemic effect on this because we're, we're, we're coming out slowly of uh, the various lockdowns. Do you think that the pandemic made people look at their their ideas about investments, uh, you know, with, with reference to ESG stuff, to, to, that they wanted to put their money into things that are more more positive, perhaps? I think the pandemic changed a lot of things, and I think a lot of people then started shopping locally. I think people looked hmm. at the carbon footprint because they weren't travelling anymore. People started doing Zooms rather than getting on a train. People looked at their lifestyle. And I think there is also now this look at, can I do something positive? People saw pictures on the news of how Venice, you could actually see the fish. So I think things like that, people are going, we shouldn't be destroying the planet. We should be trying to help. And if we can invest in a way, which the pandemic has proved, we can all change our lifestyle slightly and have a positive impact for your performance plus also the planet and plus social reasons, it's a win-win for everyone. So I think COVID, there's always a winner and loser in certain situations. And I think one of the things that will come out of COVID well is how people looked at the way they lived their life, but also the way they wanted to invest money. And I think it's like you've said earlier, one in three new pounds, whether it's that much or not. But every conversation that I hear, I spent some time this week with one of the analysts from Sustain Analytics And what Dan Mm. was saying was so true because Casey was going through how some companies just basically add, so it's a green fund. But I listened to Casey speak and she was telling us the research they go into to make sure these companies are fulfilling their criteria is amazing. So I go out with the confidence knowing that when I say to someone these funds are what they should be doing, I've actually got the confidence during a pandemic to go to people. These funds do what they say on the tin. They're actually... ESG, they're trying to, they've got great research behind them. So it, during the pandemic, we had more inquiries about ESG than mainstream funds. And it was great for us because you could talk to people about something you're yeah. interested in, but knowing you'd got the backup that it was properly done. But also, you know, people can sort of tell that's the way the world's going, isn't it? it, it's, it you'd think twice if you wanted to invest in, you know, travel heavy, extraction heavy ventures because we're traveling less. And you know, you know that there's only so much road left in fossil fuel extraction, whereas the growth areas are, are in, you know, more home working, less international travel. It's it's not entirely altruistic, is what I'm saying. These are the growth areas anyway. I think when I, go, I try and do a bike ride most mornings, and I go around Stratford, and I see people out running. I suspect some of these people mm. would have been on the M42, stuck in traffic, the M40. I think there's a lot of things that people have seen as a benefit from how you can work from home, but also have a better lifestyle. You can maybe do your Peloton class in the morning, but still do your full day's work. You don't have to leave a carbon footprint, but have a much better lifestyle. So I think this is here to stay in terms of lifestyle, but also in how we look at where we want our money invested. And you're right. Some of the winners of the pandemic have been technology companies. Because, Mm. I mean, we now have a Zoom license. If you just said to me three years ago, 85% 85% to 90% of my meetings would have been done via a computer on Zoom. I'd have said you'd gone mad. Dan, just in closing, I mean, you, you said that the big takeaway was to ensure that people get proper financial advice from a proper financial advisor like Andy. Um, I have paid him to say this- that, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you, Dan, how do you see this developing as the economy reopens then and, and and as people have their sort of, you know, they, they, they begin to plan for, for different income patterns maybe and often people who've, who've, who've lost their job or maybe have become accustomed to furlough. How do you see the, you know, people's personal investment decisions going? Yeah, I think that's a, a great 
question because the the pandemic has changed so many things and uh, I think Andy's absolutely right there's many of us who are not going to go back to the way things were before many of us can't go back to the way things yeah. were before and that's not just true in our daily lives it's also true in the way that we think about investment as as well and so from my perspective, it seems that the, the genie is out of the bottle when it comes to ESG investment. It's not going to go back in. It's changed the way people are thinking about investment. And so, again, it doesn't matter whether someone's got a few pounds that they're saving or whether they're a multimillionaire. The reality is that we have to take into account these risks as we look forward. Now, it's important to say, of course, that the more people who are focused on these risks, the more the prices will change. And actually, you could get a good investment return from an industry that's very uh, anti-ESG. That One of the things about investment, of course, is that as prices move, the uh, expected return changes. And so energy companies may well give us fantastic returns going forward because everyone uh, is, so, uh, is so down on them. So it's not to say mm. that returns will always be better from ESG, but the ability people have now uh, to align their values, their concerns with the way their money is used is has been transformational and I, I don't think uh, is going to go back to the way that we were. It's very, very interesting. And I think it's you've made it clear these are going to be the issues that we're all dealing with in, in, in the next few years. Dan, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's been really interesting. Thanks. It's been great to be with you. And Andy? No, thanks, Dan. It's really kind of you because I know Dan is a really, really busy man and he's one of the most formative foremost speakers in this area in the uk so to get down on was a big help and i really appreciate you taking the time not at all it's an absolute pleasure brilliant andy thank you for joining me we'll be back next month won't we are you ready for the football i am i'm going for- ready for the ukraine <laughs> i think it'll be a fascinating game i tell you what it has done put a lot of smiles on an awful lot of people's faces and that after 18 months it feels like 18 months or 15 months of a pandemic is no bad thing there you go well, listeners, thanks for listening. You can tell when we recorded this because it's before the Ukraine game. <laughs> Who knows what we'll be like after it, but we'll deal with that when we come to it. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so that the uh, next edition will pop up as a surprise in your listening window. And if you've got a minute, do go on Apple Podcasts and give us a bit of a rating, a mark out of five, because that helps to get the podcast in front of more people. Thanks for listening. Andy, thanks for joining me. Dan, thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time.